Good morning, everybody. Uh, my, uh, my name is Jim Stovall. If you don't know me, uh, looks like we have a few people online already. I'm coming to you live this morning from the world headquarters of Heartland Baptist Fellowship. As you can see, I'm, I'm in the library here where we would normally be meeting the journey class, uh, but we're, we're doing the Facebook Live for now to uh, uh, comply with the government orders of separation. So, all right, I hope everybody's doing okay. Uh, looks like we have several online. I've got my phone here to the side of me so I can kind of monitor what's going on. A um, couple things here, I wanna get some logistics out of the way. We're about one month into the quarantine, so uh, you know we hope everyone is spending their time wisely. We hope that uh, you're you're drawing closer to the Lord. Um, I know I've I've been doing more reading lately. Uh, I've been building some birdhouses and uh, doing some th some things around the yard, uh, which I was going to mention. I have been working on the uh, the birds and the bees. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, about a month ago, I, I built uh, a bunch of bird houses, and uh, we've placed them around our property. Um, let me show you a picture here. And Sherry and I have been uh, following a couple of the nests that we have. And we have one nest. We have a, a, a young mom sitting on her eggs. Uh, it's really cool because I put hinges on the lids of the birdhouses so I can, I can sneak up to the house and crack open the top lid and put my camera in and take a picture of the mom and her birds and she doesn't seem to mind I've opened her house several times and she just sits there and looks at me so she's sitting on about six eggs and we have another nest and another box that have already hatched and there's also about six six little birds here um, so we're gonna keep uh, monitoring these nests and we've got several other boxes that that looks like nests are, are being built so uh, so we're having fun with that and then as you know I'm a beekeeper uh, my bees are doing great um, I visit them every day as well uh, looking forward to having some honey hopefully this summer a little later on so back to me um, I'm kind of catching up on my text here let me look here alright so let me wave at a few people yeah, we have quite a few people watching today. This is great. Uh, which actually brings me up a, another point. Uh, Steve, Pastor Steve Fleshman has added a lot of names to the to the notification of this class. Um, so hopefully uh, you folks have been receiving the text, and, and it looks like some of you are online now, so that's great. So we appreciate having you here. And we hope that when this thing is over, you could join us at 9 o'clock here in the library at, at Heartland. This is where we meet every week. Um, also want to make sure everyone's doing okay uh, if anyone needs any help with with anything like food or 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 some rides or just some company or something like that uh, you know Steve wanted to make sure everyone knew that they could always uh, contact us and I actually put some contact information here for Pastor Steve and, and Pat Lee and myself and you know, take take these numbers, jot them down. Uh, if you need any help, with anything, don't hesitate to to reach out. And we have a few announcements. 
I wanted to put our church uh, website up here. We have a few announcements from Pastor Brian. Uh, Pastor Brian will be live on Facebook this morning at 10.30 and again at 6 and then again Wednesday night. Uh, actually, Wednesday night, last Wednesday, Pastor Brian started a new series on Ephesians, uh, which is really good. Last Wednesday, he did the introduction to Ephesians. So this week, he's going to pick it up in chapter 1. So I encourage you guys to, to tune in for that. And Brian wanted to, us to mention that all the services, all the live services that are going on at, at Heartland are on our uh, website, hbfcast.org, and you can also find the live streams on the church's Facebook site and YouTube channel. And that's why I listed them there, so you'll have them. A uh, couple more announcements Brian wanted to, us to mention. Uh, Gwen Arney, many of you know Gwen, he lost his uncle uh, a few weeks ago, so be praying for the Gwen Arney family and their loss. And another uh, kind of prayer request that, that is close to me, uh, our pastor friends in India uh, have reached out asking for, for any help that, that we may be able to give them. Uh, Christodos, you may, may remember him, he was here a few months ago, uh, spoke in our service. Uh, Pradeep Lima, he's a, a friend of HBF, many of you know and met him. The COVID's hit India pretty hard. Uh, you may have seen some of the pictures on Pradeep's Facebook page. So they're asking that if anyone is able to help them out financially and prayerfully, they're praying for them, uh, that to please do so. Uh, and Brian, Pastor Brian said that if anyone's led to give, uh, they can go to the church's uh, website under the giving tab and specify the missions fund and donate some money and that that money will will make sure it gets to those those Indian pastors um, it's ironic too that this weekend I was actually supposed to be in India with Christodos uh, we were supposed to leave Friday a couple days ago so it's uh, it's it's sad that I can't be there with them this weekend but uh, it's with all the things going on of course the travel's been shut down but Hopefully we can get that trip rescheduled uh, later in the year. Um, so again, appreciate everybody watching. There's lots of things out there streaming. So uh, yeah, we've got around 10 folks or so uh, tuned in so far. So that's a good deal. Let me acknowledge a few waves there. Um, I wanted to mention uh, that since we're on Facebook Live, there is a delay. You know what, when I'm speaking, it takes I don't know, 20, 30 seconds to show up on the internet. Um, so we're going to, I'll talk about that more in a little bit. But there is a delay, so I'm going to have to kind of watch my phone to see uh, who's, who's reacting to what. Um, and also, we don't know, we, we know there's up uh, almost 15 people now watching us. We don't know who those folks are, so I'd encourage you just to give a wave. I've seen several people wave, you know, give a thumbs up. Uh, Brian Parrott always does his signature eyeballs that he's watching, so that's pretty cool. So, so let us know that you're tuned in. Uh, we like to kind of keep track of that. We also kind of like to keep track of the prayer requests for the class. Um, we've had several over the last week. You may remember, like, 
Uh, we've been praying for Dottie for comfort from pain until she can have her surgery. Some of the surgeries have been put on hold until this thing's over. So uh, continue praying for Dottie. Uh, a lot of us are experiencing anxiety and just, uh, you know, just all the weirdness going on. So continue to pray for each other for that. Uh, I know Kevin Frost, we've been praying for him and his family, for Tom Merritt and his family. And for Pam Jackson, her daughter, actually, Pam, I think you're online, so if you can give the class an update on how your daughter's doing. I know it's been, I believe, a couple weeks. Uh, she's been fighting the COVID, so uh, we've been praying for her. Um, so let us know how that's going. Uh, so put your prayer requests in, and we will be praying for those and also keep track of those. i got a list. I actually write these down, and I pray for these during the week. Oh, another one is Rich Hayes. His sister, Natalie, is on the front lines of this, of this war. She works at the, the, uh, the nursing home here in Harrisonville that's, that's having all the trouble and had, I think, four deaths now. Um, so we want to continue praying for her safety and protection and uh, for that, the family situation. Um, if anyone would like the slides or the handouts from any of the teachings that we do on Facebook uh, just let me know I've got all of them in a in a file in the cloud I can always send them to you so you just leave a comment and uh, I'll get with you and get your email and send them to you and with that I believe we are caught up so let me just open up with a quick word of prayer and uh, we'll, we'll get things going Lord I do thank you for the chance to open your word today and uh, and study your word and in these troubling times Lord and I, I just pray that you'd give us all comfort and hope uh, amidst the things going on in the world that you'd speak to us this morning let us clear off a spot and dedicate to you uh, let us learn more about how to be a good disciple Lord and the qualities you want to build into our life uh, lift up all the people in class Lord we have so many so many hurting so many needs and you know all the needs Lord and just uh, pray that uh, we would continue to lift each other up, uh, to look for you for, for comfort and support, and, and just thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so to kick things off, let me... It's time, folks, for the virtual candy bar bonus questions. Um, as you know, we started a series on discipleship several weeks ago. Uh, Pastor Steve has taught us several different lessons on discipleship. And uh, after we have a few lessons, you guys know me, I always like to kind of do a quick review of the highlights or some of the takeaways from those lessons. Since we're not meeting, I can't give everybody a candy bar, but I am going to save uh, the uh, the responses here and uh, the next time I see you, I'll get you your candy bar. So, uh, so that's all good. So, let me get the first slide. Now, we started our discipleship series back on March 29th. Uh, we started talking about discipleship. And Steve did an introduction lesson, and he, he kind of kicked things off with these two questions here. What do you get when you squeeze a lemon? And trials don't necessarily build character. Trials blank character. So if you think you know the answer to these two questions, put it in the comments. And uh, I'll be collecting those here in a second. 
Also, on that March 29th, Steve talked about what is a disciple? You know, we're doing this series on discipleship. Well, what's a disciple? And then Jesus makes a, a distinction between believers and disciples. There is a subtle difference. And Steve, Steve talked about that. So if you have any thoughts on these, throw them in the, the comments. Uh, something else Steve did I thought was really neat. Steve gave us his COVID-19 verse. He gave us Deuteronomy 23.5, which says, Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee, because the Lord thy God loved thee. Now the context of this is there, there's this guy named Balaam. He's a false prophet. He's trying to curse God's people. God took the curse and turned it into a blessing. And he did that because God loves us. And it's the same thing for us today. This is the same principle. We're kind of living in a curse right now. People are all over the board with, you know, this is God's judgment on, on the earth and or this is uh, something released out of a lab. I mean, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories going on, so, you know, whatever. But it is, uh, we are going through some tough times right now. But this verse, like many others in the Bible, God wants to assure us that he will turn this curse into a blessing. So what we should be doing is, is using this downtime. We kind of have a reset right now on things. I encourage everyone to use this downtime to draw closer to the Lord, to turn this curse into a blessing. How sweet it would be is after a month or two of quarantine if we come out of this thing closer to the Lord than what we were going in. You know, that we know more about him, that we're, we, we, have, we have felt his protection and love. Because he does love us. I mean, the, the, of course the Bible's clear on that. Um, it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite prophets is Zephaniah. In the book of Zephaniah, God assures us that he doesn't just love us, he, he likes us. He, he wants us to be successful. He does not want us to fail. So, this was Steve's COVID-19 verse. If the Lord has showed you something over these last few weeks that uh, is particularly meaningful, if you don't mind to share, I'd encourage you to put it in the comments. Let, let everyone know how the Lord's working in your life and in your heart during these times. So, then we move on to April 5th, the next lesson that Steve brought on discipleship. And this was really cool. I, I really enjoyed this one. This is where uh, Pastor Steve took the nation of Israel and kind of traced their, their uh, history and their growth as a nation and compared it to uh, our own growth as disciples of the Lord. Um, it, it was he, he basically went through from Exodus when the nation left Egypt, you know, let my people go with the Passover, all the way to their apex when, when the nation of Israel was at their highest under King Solomon. Uh, it's a very good study. So if you have any thoughts on that, throw them in the comments. So, back to our first question. Let me... Uh, Look over here to see what we got. Let's see, Pierre, Peter, Brian, there's Brian. Uh, 
Oh yeah, Natalie and Natter. Okay, I'm just kind of reading my phone, catching up here. Um, oh, okay, good. I see Pam's update uh, on her daughter. Uh, okay, yes. Yeah, so can you pray for her? All right. Brian Parrott is the first one that I see. The the answer to the question. You get lemonade. Um. Let's see. I'm not seeing any other answers quite yet. I'll let I'll let it filter through. So yes, when you squeeze a lemon, you get lemonade. And then the second part of that is trials don't necessarily build character. Trials reveal the character. And that's what we're seeing right now with this COVID, which reminds me of this question. What do you get when you squeeze a Christian? Right now, we are getting squeezed. We're all under this quarantine. It's, it's scary outside. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we're losing our jobs. We're losing our livelihood. What do, what are we, we're squeezing everyone right now. Well, when you squeeze a Christian, you're going to get fruit juice, hopefully. Uh, when you're a believer and you are uh, you're a disciple and you are uh, living in the Spirit and walking with the Lord, you're going to have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So when you get squeezed, these fruits are going to come out. And uh, it's very evident now with the pressures going on in our society of what's inside of people. I was reading a news article this morning that uh, prescription um, uh, sleep aids, uh, anxiety drugs, antidepressants, those prescriptions are, are, are off the roof right now. People are really struggling and, and reaching for those things. So it's kind of revealing what's inside as they're not really at peace with the Lord. Uh, so I encourage you to find peace with the Lord. And we kind of talked about that last week, that uh, turn this, this curse into a blessing. All right, let me get to the next one here. All right, then Pastor Steve, back in March 29th, posed the question, what is a disciple? Well, it's simply a follower of Christ. A disciple is a follower. Um, and that's kind of laid out there in Matthew 16. If you're a disciple of Christ, then you follow Christ and you do what, what, what he says, basically. Now, I really did like this. This was cool. Steve said, um, he brought out the point that there is a difference between believers and disciples. And, and that quote there on the bottom, I'm not sure if where he heard that, if, if he made it up or where he got it, but not all believers are disciples but all disciples are believers. Now, that is really cool. Um, so hopefully we're all believers this morning that are, on, are watching. And then it, it, one step further, if you're a believer, I hope you're also a disciple. And we're going to talk about that this morning with, with uh, the life of Abraham and what that means. All right. How do you recognize a disciple? Steve brought this out in, on March 29th, is that we love each other. Uh, that's, that's pretty simple. Jesus gave us two commandments, love God, love people. And uh, by loving people is how we know each other. So hopefully you're, you're loving people during this, this difficult time, reaching out to people. Uh, I've been trying to be intentional, reaching out to friends of mine, family, making sure everybody's okay, just to, just to kind of stay in their life. Now this was the part, uh, the second, the second lesson Steve brought us of, with Israel. This was the table that he spoke through. I 
put it on the Facebook page, but I don't know if you know, how well you was able to see it on your phone. But basically, Steve charted the growth of Israel and compared it to our own growth as disciples, and it was uh, it was very cool. It was really a a tour of the of the uh, the Old Testament books of dealing with Israel of Exodus through not uh, really through the the Chronicles. So and that's and that's available. All these are available on our on our page here. So if you want to go back and listen to them, uh, and these I put this up. This was what Steve presented was the seven stages of discipleship, uh, and we're going to talk about this today with Abraham. But uh, when you're a follower of Christ, there is kind of a a series of steps that we go through. How we start out in step one and two with repentance. We we come to the Lord. Uh, we start learning about him, and, and number two there, in enlightenment, we learn more about the Lord. And then we start in step three, participating in ministry, just kind of as an observer, maybe. Uh, then after a while, you become a, a leader in a ministry and start training and, and learning more. And step five is a, a step we all eventually get to where you really uh, kind of evaluate what you're doing and you decide that, this is the right path for you and you're not going to go back and you um, you get really serious I guess some people would call it you're all in at this point you you're there uh, with Abraham that actually that's when God changes his name but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit uh, you start leading ministries and then in verse 7 you start getting a world vision a burden for the world you are fully equipped to take on the new world so those are the stages of discipleship uh, we'll be seeing more of that as the uh, weeks go on. All right, so what do we got here? So now, let me catch up my notes. Uh, so for today, what I was going to talk about is the seven discipleship lessons from the life of Abraham. Before I get started... I want to throw this out. What is Abraham known for? Um, Abraham is a, and we'll talk about this in a second, he's a, he's a major player in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Genesis. Uh, we all know who he is. Uh, what is his, most, his claim to fame? When you think of Abraham, what do you think of, of him doing? So put that in the comments. I'll uh, I'll be kind of watching here to see who's the first one that comes up with something. All right, so back to me. Um, so when we think about today's lesson, I just want to get a few things out. We know that God doesn't change; uh, He changes not. That's in Hebrews thirteen eight. It teaches us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, he is not limited by time, so he's kind of outside of time. One time I heard an interesting uh, analogy of, of how God can be the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I thought it was pretty interesting. I may have used this before in class, but imagine you're on top of a tall building in in some big city somewhere. You're on the very top looking down at the streets. And there's a parade going on. And you can look to the left 
and you can see the start line. You can see people lining up. You can see all the activity of people getting in position and, and starting the parade. And then you can kind of look down and you can see the parade going by the buildings. And then you can look over to the right and now you see the end of the parade. And you see people disbanding and going on their way. You are outside of time at that point, and you can see the beginning, the middle, and the end. You can see it all. That's kind of how God is with us. He's outside of time. So the things in the Old Testament he can see, the things today and in the future, and that's why we have all of this laid out in the Bible, because you know God is outside of time, and, and he can do that. So we know that he doesn't change. Uh, we know that things in the Old Testament are written for our learning. The Old Testament isn't just a book of, of stories. It's a book of uh, stories that have principles and applications for our life, and we can get a lot out of it. So we know that. And then we also know that God is no respecter of, of people. He treats all of us the same. Uh, uh, his, his ways are the same in dealing with people. So the way he dealt with Abraham, the principles that God used for Abraham are also the principles and the techniques God uses for us. So, if you strip out the, the, the details of the cultural differences with Abraham and the time he lived in and things like that, the way God dealt with him foreshadows the way God deals with us. Now, it, it gets even more interesting. Paul calls Abraham the father of us all. He's actually called that several times, Abraham is. Well, he's obviously not physically our father, but spiritually he is, because a promise was given to Abraham, a promise, and, and a, a promise of a kingdom, and a promise of a king, and a promise of an inheritance, and those are things that we are also given the same promises so he's kind of the first one to get all this and we're following in his footsteps by believing what God has said about all these things so he's kind of the that's how he's kind of the father of us all um, so when we, when we read about Abraham's life and the way God dealt with him we're not just reading about some dude that lived in the desert way back when but it's really it's a very cool story about how God reveals himself to a sinner and takes that sinner and works with him through many years of his life and the trials on earth and, and disciples this guy, God disciples Abraham, where Abraham becomes uh, the Abraham that we know of Genesis 22, which, let me look at the comments here to see if anyone has put down... Uh, what Abraham is known for. I'm kind of scrolling, scrolling, watching, watching. You know, I'm not seeing it. I may have missed it. Abraham is known, Abraham is known for, oh, I was actually going to go through these first before I get to that. All right, so another chance. Put in the comments, what is Abraham famous for? All right. So let's talk a little bit more about who is this Abraham. Well, he's a godly man who lived about 2,000 years before Christ. Abraham shows up just right after the Tower of Babel. 
you know, we all remember that back in Genesis uh, like nine and ten. Abraham shows up soon after that, so he's 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 way back when he's he's uh, he's way back in there. Uh, Two thousand years before Christ, Abraham's a major character in the Bible. His name's found over three hundred times. He's talked about quite a bit, and, he, and he's mentioned in twenty-two of the thirty-nine books. So you know, he's he's a big big player. He's a nomadic shepherd. He's from the Ur of the Chaldeans. You know, we've heard that term, uh, and I'll show you on a map here in a second where that's at. But it wasn't a good place to be. It was. It was the Ur of the Chaldees is a is an area outside of Babylon, and we all know Babylon kind of represents uh, bad things and pagan and, and uh, pagan worship and all that kind of stuff. And that's what that's where he's from. Abraham, he travels throughout the Mideast. He even uh, makes a, a dip into Egypt a few times, uh, which is something we all do, uh, spiritually speaking. Uh, now, the story of Abraham is told in Genesis 11 through 25. So there's quite a few chapters dedicated to this guy. Uh, it's a good read. I've, I read through those chapters a few times, putting this lesson together, and you really kind of get the to know and love the guy after you read that much about him. Alright, so let's get some few more things about Abraham. Abraham's family, including his dad, were they all worshipped other gods. They were pretty active in the pagan rituals going on in Babylon. We're told about that in Joshua 24, 2. Um, that's kind of where Abraham's from. So, so like a lot of us, Abraham wasn't born into a good Christian, uh, Christ-loving home. Abraham was born uh, in a in a family of idolaters and pagan people. So it's uh, it's pretty cool that God brought him out of that and turned him into who he is. Abraham's called the friend of God many times in Scripture. These are just a couple of them, but I think there's three or four times he's called the friend of God. And can you imagine being called the friend of God? I hope we all, God could say that about all of us. That's that's such a, a beautiful phrase there. You're the friend of God. And then he's called the father of all them that believe, you know, which is us. He is, he is our spiritual father. He is the first guy that's called a Hebrew. You know, we hear the word Hebrew quite often. What is a Hebrew? Well, a Hebrew is is someone that's uh, of the physical lineage of Abraham. Abraham's grandpa was a guy named Eber. So they go, oh, Abraham, uh, he's he's from the Ebers. He's a he's a Hebrew. That's how that got going. Abraham was saved by faithfully believing in what God said. He is saved kind of like the way we are. Things were a little different in the Old Testament, but all of us are saved, and I hope all of us watching are. We are we become the friend of God by, by believing in what God said and doing what God asks us to do. And that's exactly what Abraham did. Abraham is listed in the Hall of Faith. In, uh, we all know the Hall of Faith in, in Hebrews 11. And in Hebrews 11, uh, a quarter of that chapter of the Hall of Faith is dedicated to Abraham. So, I mean, this guy was just a, a giant when it came to faith. So he was definitely somebody that we should, we should mimic and, and mirror in our life. 
So, time to answer the question. Let me look here. I'm looking at the comments to see if anyone has guessed. Not yet. Wait, is that it? Father of many nations. That's close there. Uh, Abraham is known for the given the promised land. That's a good one, Angie. Angie put the uh, Abraham was known for being given the promised land. That's exactly correct. But one of the big things he's known for is he was asked to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, in Genesis 22. Um, which is kind of where I was going to center on today. When we study the life of Abraham, we see a guy in Genesis, we're introduced to him in Genesis chapter 11, and we'll, we'll read that here in a second. We're introduced to Abraham in Genesis 11. He's living in a suburb of Babylon amongst idolatrous pagan people, his family. He's 75 years old. He's married. And God takes him from that position in his life, that point in his life, about 40 years later, we see Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 giving everything to God, giving God his most valuable possessions. He is fully sold out to God and following God. So when we study the life of Abraham, we see him from Genesis 11 and then that, that gradual climb to Genesis 22 and the things that transpire during those years and chapters uh, is there's a lot we can learn from and that's where we kind of pull our seven lessons that we can learn from Abraham um, yes alright so let me uh, move on over here next slide alright that journey that God took him on from the center of Genesis 11 to the saint, to the uh, man of God in Genesis 22. Here's a map of the uh, Mideast. You know, you guys know me. I've got to have a map. Got to have a map. I wish I could interact with the map and, and use a pointer, but I can't. Um, you notice there on the lower right, Babylon. He stops in Haran. He actually stops short of where God wanted him to go, but he, he hangs out in Haran for a while, and then he eventually makes it down to Jerusalem. And uh, from Jerusalem, he, he makes a couple journeys into Egypt that we'll talk about in a second. And while he's in the Promised Land, this is kind of a blow-up of Israel. Um, you can see Jerusalem there in the middle. Abraham spends most of his time in, in his discipleship program when he's in Israel here. He's, he actually hangs out a lot. Uh, actually, it's, it's interesting. You see there in the middle that city called Mamre. Hopefully this is showing up okay on your phones. Uh, Mam Mamre and Hebron are the areas where Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried. And that's the areas that they, they stayed in quite a bit. Mamre means like fatness, uh, not fat like Jim's getting on the quarantine, but fatness as in uh, the fullness. They they have a full, rich life. They have everything they need and and, and want. So Mamre is kind of represents everything they they 
they they have and, and need all their needs are met Hebron the city below it there that means fellowship so when God finally gets Abraham where he wants him he's right there in the between the fatness and the fellowship he's he's hitting on all eight cylinders uh, being the person God wants him to be so that's kind of our our goal is we want to be there at the Mamre and Hebron so uh, that's where he spent a lot of his time. That's where he was buried. Okay, let me move on here. All right. I put this chart together to kind of show what I was talking about a while ago. How and this really the life of Abraham really pictures our own uh, growth and discipleship. Now, I hope this shows up okay on your your phones. I tried to make the graphic a little bigger, but I uh, couldn't, couldn't get it big enough there. So, On the left side, Genesis 11, it's a sinner. Abraham is a sinner lost in the world. He's just, he's just outside of Babylon living amongst the world. Well, in Genesis 12, God reveals himself to, to Abraham. Uh, just like us, hopefully there was a point in our life when, when we have met God, the we were faced with the reality of, of who Jesus is and what he did for us. And we submitted ourselves to the Lord and asked him to come into our life and save us. That's kind of what happened to, to Abraham in Genesis 12. He meets God. And that's where our discipleship starts. Well, then in 13, Genesis chapters 13 through 21, that's a 40-year span where we're... God is working with Abraham, molding him and discipling him into the person that he needs to be. Uh, I drew that line longer because it takes a long time. Discipleship, as we all know, takes many years. Uh, discipleship's not just a set of lessons that we go through. Uh, that's, a, that's a beginning, but discipleship is a, a multi-year thing that we go through where God is using the trials of life to uh, to purify us and to grow our faith um, it, it reminds me of the verses that we see where, where uh, the, the purifying fires uh, like we're going through the refiner's fires where God is, is through trials is putting us into the furnace of affliction so to speak so we could burn off the dross and the clutter from our life so where we're left with that pure gold, that pure faith in him. And that's what Abraham went through in 13 through 21. So then in Genesis 22, when Abraham is on Mount Moriah uh, ready to sacrifice his own son, we see the pure golden faith of Abraham, of a person that is fully sold out to the Lord, has fully surrendered. So, uh, and I think most of us would be in that Genesis 13 through 21 where we're all going through the trials of life, uh, being discipled uh, and discipling others. Um, so it, that's where I pull our today's uh, study of our seven lessons. Actually, let me, let me read a few verses real quick here. Um, let, let's look at, uh, if you got your Bibles, let's look at where we're introduced to Abraham. So turn in your Bibles to Genesis 11. Genesis 11, verse 1. 
I want to point out a few things. All right, so let me get a drink here. All right, so Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel has just happened. People have scattered. Uh, go down 11 verse, uh, let's pick it up in verse 26. All right, let me uh, fly back here, get on Jimmy. All right. Uh, okay, Genesis 11, 26. Terah lived, Terah is Abraham's dad. Terah lived 70 years and he begat Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. All right, here's, here's Abraham's family. It's There's three boys here, Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Uh, Haran, by the way, is the father of Lot. Uh, we know who Lot is. Lot's, he gives Abraham grief. So here's the three boys, uh, Abraham's brothers. Verse 27, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abraham, Nahor, Haran, and Haran begat Lot. And Haran died. Uh, they all died. They're in the Ur of Chaldees there in verse 28. And then verse 29, we learn about their wives, Sarah, um, some more of the sister-in-laws. And then verse 30, Sarah was barren. She had no child. Now the thing that's interesting here is when you look up the meaning of all these names, Nahor, Haran, uh, Milcah, uh, Isca, they're all pagan moon gods. So Abraham's family, they're named after a bunch of moon gods. So that kind of gives a, an indication of, of where he's from. Let me uh, let me slip back over here to my graphic. All right. Whenever I'm on the graphic here, it uh, it doesn't use as much bandwidth on the Wi-Fi. The HBF Wi-Fi is kind of taxed right now with all the all the classrooms or live streaming on Facebook so I can see a real uh, degradation in the signal my CPU starts spiking whenever it's on the camera so that's why I keep going to the slides alright so um, alright so that's when, that's when we meet Abraham in chapter 11 he's, he's living in the outside of Babylon with a bunch of uh, moon god worshippers well, chapter 12 is where he meets God. So, so look over at chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, which his name is Abram at this point. God hadn't changed his name yet. The Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. So God comes to Abraham and says, Hey, uh, reveals himself, who he is. I want you to do these things. I want you to leave your family, leave your your homeland here, and, uh, and go to a land that I'm going to show you. Uh, well, Abraham does. In verse 4, he picks up and he leaves. And he, he goes to follow the Lord. And, and the Lord, of course, tells him, If you do these things, then I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you great, and and uh, let me give you a, a land grant. So that's what he does. So he leaves in verse uh, 4. He departed. Um, and then, let's flip over to chapter 13, Genesis 13. He meets God in chapter 12, but he doesn't fully obey God's request. When that causes him a little bit of grief, and we'll talk about some of that in a second. 
But in chapter 13, God has Abraham right where he wants him. This is what I was talking about a while ago. So look at chapter 13 down at verse 14. So 13, 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. So so look around. God's coming to him after he gets rid of Lot. And then verse 15, For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. So if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Verse 17, Arise, walk the land in the breadth of it, uh, for I will give it unto thee. And then the key is here in verse 18. And then Abram removed his tent, and he came and he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which means fatness, which is in Hebron, which means fellowship, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So finally, at the beginning, at, at here in chapter 13, God has gotten Abraham where he wants him to be so he can really start his discipleship program. God told him in chapter 12 to separate from your family and go to a land I show you. Well, as you read chapters 12 and some of 13, he didn't entirely do that. He took Lot with him. He stopped in Haran for a while. So, so Abraham is kind of like us. He's partially obedient. But it's not until Abraham is fully obedient where he's living in Mamre and Hebron where he's gotten rid of all of his things that are, that are weighing him down, namely his nephew Lot, now God can start the discipleship program. And that's that's kind of where we pick up here. So, Abraham is, uh, uh, so chapters 14 through 21 is what I mentioned, are the trials and, and the testing that he goes through in order to become the Abraham of Genesis 22. So, as I read through these chapters, these are the seven things that I can pull out of, the, out of Abraham's life that are, that are qualities that we need to build in our own life. These are all of the, uh, I guess, kind of a discipleship 101 for Abraham. These are things that he had to learn during his time of, of trials. So, I'm going to kind of quickly go through some of these. So the first one is a quality of Abraham that we should all have is he had childlike faith. Um, he Abraham he he just believed what God said, and it's really cool. Like he doesn't really ever question things. Um, he's like a child. He just believes what God said, and and then also that fa his faith was not hereditary. You know, I've mentioned many times that his family were. Were moon were pagan moon worshippers down in Babylon. So you can't say Abraham learned it from his father. He didn't. He learned it on his own. He was he was faithful. Uh, and I put that quote from Ruckman. That's I've always liked that quote. That when you're faithful to God, it's 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 not really real until it's tested. And that's kind of what we're doing now. And when I think of the childlike faith, uh, you know, I put the what can we learn from Abraham's childlike faith. This is what I think of. You know, I do a lot of walking at work. I walk around the block all the time. And, and uh, one time I was walking down the street, 
and I seen this father and his little boy walking toward me. And the little boy, you know, he was just cute as a button. You know, his little blonde hair waving and just very, very cute little boy. And as he walked by, by me, I just kind of patted his little head, you know, and you know, precious little kid there. Well, the kid <laughs> looks up at his dad, you know, like as if to say, some stranger just touched my head. What are you going to do about it? And, you know, me and the dad, we locked eyes and, you know, I just kind of smiled and nodded. And he knew I just thought his kid was cute and so everything was fine. But what it reminds me of is how we should be childlike faith like that little boy. When something came into his life, whenever I touched his head, he didn't like, you know, cuss me out or he didn't try to take it on himself. He looked to his father to to help and protect him. He just, he didn't even look at me at all. He immediately looked at his dad. Daddy, I need some help. What's going on? And, I, and that's what I think about with Abraham. That's the way we should be. We should also have that childlike faith. Um, so let me see. You know, Jesus said several times that we need to come to him as a child. So we need to have that same childlike faith like that little boy had. Now, I do want to throw in a disclaimer. That story about me touching the boy's head, it didn't really happen. That'd be kind of creepy. But I thought it was a good uh, illustration of of having childlike faith. So don't think that Jimmy goes around touching little boy's head. I don't. I don't do that. I just thought that was made sense and fit the the application. Now, the second lesson that we can learn from Abraham is his unquestioning obedience. That guy, when God told him to move, he moved. Um, sometimes he didn't move high enough or far enough, but he, you know, we're the same way. That's part of the discipleship program. Uh, and, and actually, Pastor Steve touched on this this here while back. Uh, it was in a Life Issues meeting. It may have been last Tuesday. And this goes along with the first point, childlike faith. Uh, and, and Pastor Steve, what, what he talked about was that we, the way we behave is, is kind of based on what we believe. You know, what we believe affects our behavior. And that's why discipleship is so important, is we need to have the right beliefs in order to have the right uh, actions. Well, Abraham had the right belief. He did believe in God. He had total faith in God. So because of that, he had this unquestioning obedience. Um, he always obeyed God, maybe not fully, but we don't either. Uh, he left his people. He separated from his past. All these things that he was asked to do, he did. Um, and I, I highlighted John fourteen fifteen. That's one of my favorite verses. Uh, I don't have time to look it up, but John fourteen fifteen is Jesus speaking, and Jesus says, "If ye love me, keep my commandments." So if we say we love God. We should keep his commandments. Things like love God, love people. If you love God, you're going to be, you know, you're going to go to church. You're going to read his word. You're going to, you're going to talk to him. You're going to love people. You're going to do the basic things that the discipleship teaches us to do because we love, we love the Lord. So, oh, that was pretty cool. Now, what can we learn from Abraham's obedience? Now, Abraham... He was, you know, he was asked to leave his people, leave his house, leave his past. 
he was obviously asked to leave his comfort zone. And God often asks us to leave our comfort zone too. So just think about what what areas do you feel God is working on you to leave your comfort zone to 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 be more obedient to him. So that's kind of what we learned from that one. The next thing I like about Abraham, uh, a good lesson we can learn, is the intentional worship. You know, there's five times we read that Abraham worshipped at an altar that he constructed. When he got to where he was going, he um, he would always he would build an altar. He would clear out a spot. He would remove the clutter. He would go collect stones. Stones are God-made. Some of the altars in the Bible are brick and mortar, which are materials that man makes. But Abraham, the Bible is clear, would always use stone. He did it God's way. When he built an altar, an altar, he would use God's materials and do it God's way. He would light the fire, and he would worship the Lord. So it makes me think of us. You know, do we do we clear out? time for God? Do we intentionally worship God? Do we clear out a spot in our life and in our day to worship Him? Do we remove the distractions? You know, put down the cell phones, turn off the TVs. Do do we sit down with God and seriously worship with Him, fellowship with Him? Uh, you know, kind of building that altar, so to speak. Uh, letting, letting God's light permeate your heart, warm your soul. So we should never be too busy. Abraham was never too busy to stop and, and worship the Lord. So what do we learn from that? Just be intentional. You know, I really encourage everyone during this time of, of COVID craziness to be intentional with your worship. Clear out a place and a time of your day. Break out your Bible. Talk to the Lord. Ask Him to show you things. Ask Him to give you the peace that, that we all need and, and just just fellowship with God. The next point. Citizenship was not of this world. Abraham, the, God, the Bible always points out that he lived in tents. He was mobile. He didn't set up uh, you know, shop in a shop in a house or anything like that. He, he was a tent dweller. He moved around. His roots weren't deep. Um... He was a man on the move, and I, and he was in the world and not of it. And that's where I put the not of this world, uh, which the whole chapter of Ephesians two talks about how we are, uh, you know, we're dead in trespasses and sins, and we're not walking after we should not walk after the course of this world. So, and Abraham didn't. Um, there's an interesting, there's an interesting uh, verse in Genesis twelve five. Actually, let's let's. Hopefully you still have your Bibles. Let's look at Genesis 12, 5. This is uh, on the discipleship theme. Let me flip over to me here for a second so you guys know I'm still here. All right. Genesis 12, 5. This is when Abraham is, God's asking to leave his homeland and go, go somewhere where I'm showing you. Well, and he partially obeyed that. In verse 5 it says, Abram took Sarah, his Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, 
and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Now here's here's what's cool. You got it's easy to miss this unless you think about it. He left the Ur of Chaldees and went and he stopped in Haran, which is up in uh, Syria, and he kind of hung out there in Haran for a little bit and uh, wasn't fully obedient to God's commandment. And after a period of time, he leaves Haran and goes to the promised land where he was supposed to go to begin with. But while he was in Haran, it says, the souls that they had gotten in Haran, well, who are these souls that he had gotten? They weren't servants. The, the Hebrew language here that's describing this, it's not servants that they bought. It's souls that they had gotten. And our Jewish friends all teach that while he that, that as Abraham traveled through the area, he was very uh, active in evangelism and sharing his faith in the one true God. So while he was in Haran, even though he wasn't fully where God wanted him to be, he was still sharing about the Lord, and he was still uh, getting people saved, so to speak. So whenever he did pick up and leave Haran, they all went with him. Uh, those souls that they had gotten in Iran. So even though he wasn't, uh, he was in the world, but not of it. You know, that's that's that kind of that kind of thing. He was still evangelizing and still had an eternal focus going on, and he was sharing his faith. I think that's pretty neat. Um, see, if there's anything else I left out? Oh, while he was traveling, um, he was always careful to not. Um, how do I explain this? Actually, let me kick back over to the slide. My CPU starting to spike. While he traveled, he was always careful to avoid the pitfalls of the cities and the pitfalls of the sinful activities that were going on around him. You know, his most of us have heard a cool website. I've, I've used it a lot over the years. It's a good place to get uh, interesting application. But he described the Christian this way. So those out, out there that are believers, that are disciples of, of the Lord, we are citizens of this world, but we're not members. And here's how Billy Graham describes it. You may be familiar with the uh, Gulf Stream Currents. It's a strong current of, of ocean, ocean stuff that starts in the Gulf of Mexico and travels north up toward the, the North Pole. The Gulf Stream is in the ocean, but it's not part of it. The rest of the ocean is going a different direction. Actually, I'm going to swipe over to me. The rest of the ocean is, is going a different direction, but amongst that, the Gulf Stream is doing its own thing, traveling a different direction, it's a different temperature, and it's in the ocean, but not of it. So I think that's a pretty cool uh, uh, illustration that Billy Graham gives us there. And that's the way we should be. You should be like the Gulf Stream. You're, you're in the world, but you're not of it. You're going a different direction. You're a different temperature. Uh, very cool. So, let me get back over here. The next slide. Boo! Loving others. This is a tough one. Um, we all struggle with loving other people. 
Abraham. Uh, God, it's like God allowed Lot in Abraham's life, it seems like, because uh, so many lessons that Abraham had to learn were kind of around Lot. And uh, if, if you don't know the story, Lot was, you know, Abraham's nephew that was always, uh, Lot was always making bad decisions, so Abraham would always have to help him out and bail him out. Um, which kind of is an example of the way, way we are. We should always uh, help out and intercede for other people. What is interesting, though, the point I wanted to bring out is in Genesis 14, 14. So let's flip over to Genesis 14, 14. 14, 14. Here's what's happened. Lot, um, you know, he's been a goof. He goofs off quite a bit. Lot has been captured by some bad guys. I mean, this is like a classic Hollywood movie. Lot has been captured, and word gets to Abraham that your nephew Lot has been captured. Even though Lot's been a goof, and the reason he's captured is kind of his own fault, Abraham looks beyond that, and, and Abraham is going to help him out. So, look down to Genesis 14, 14. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive... He trained his armed servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. All right. Abraham and his boys are going to saddle up. They're going to go help Lot. But look at the beginning of the verse in 14. When Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, Lot was not his brother. Lot was his nephew. However... Um, when it came time to help him, he was his spiritual brother. You know, the Bible is clear that Lot was also saved. So, here's, here's my point. We may not be blood-related, re you know, all of us here in the journey class, but we are brothers and sisters. And when, when, a, when a brother or sister is in trouble, the lesson we can learn from Abraham is that he saddled up and he went to help his brother even though he wasn't maybe a blood relative, he still helped him because he was his spiritual brother. And I just think that's pretty cool about, about Abraham. Uh, so then I think about uh, what can we learn from Abraham's love for others? You know, he, he helped Lot several times. All right, think of our own life. We all have difficult people in our life. We all have lots. I have many lots <laughs> in my life. And I'm sure you do too. We all have family that's difficult to live with and live around. We have, we have friends and family that make bad decisions, and occasionally they need bailed out. God tells us to love, love God and love others. Remember John 14, 15. So what I can learn from Abraham is he didn't turn his back on his brother when he needed help. He still helped him out. He loved people and he helped people. And then we should be the same way. If, if you love God and you say you love God and you say you're a disciple, we should be obedient and help other people out. And, and you know, I know most of us watching here do, and, and uh, it's kind of preaching to the choir at this point. But it's still good. Now, this is one of my favorite verses. And I've, I know I've probably quoted this in class a few times, but whenever I think about helping people... 
uh, or not helping people or, or dealing with family that's difficult. You know, Abraham, Abraham had to deal with Lot and he was very difficult. This is my go-to verse. It's in Hebrews twelve fifteen. Looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now, now here's what this means. First, it means that lest any man fail the grace of God, that means that you can fail the grace of God. You can fail or you can succeed. So how, what's that mean to fail? When you fail the grace of God, that means that you fail to give grace to other people as God has given you grace. That means that God has forgiven Jim of many, many, many things. God has forgiven you of many, many, many things. Uh, God forgave Abraham. I mean, he forgives all of us. When we refuse to, to, to forgive others the way God's forgiven us, we are failing the grace of God. We are, we are failing. And what happens when we fail? When you don't give the forgiveness that you should, a root of bitterness will spring up and trouble you, not the person that should have forgiven. The bitterness is going to grow in your heart. You know, the root of bitterness grows in dark places, and that's now your heart. So many will be defiled. Um, so just a, a great verse that I use uh, in my own life when I think about uh, helping people out or not not helping people out is I need to give the grace that I was given. All right, I need to cook on here. We learn from our mistakes. This is something that uh, Abraham, Abraham, he did, he did obey God, but he did make mistakes. And that's what's cool with the Bible. The Bible always points out that these people, our spiritual giants are human, just like us. Abraham is human. He did make mistakes. Um, but what is cool is God never mentions Abraham's mistakes in, in Hebrews 11 or whenever God is dealing with Abraham's uh, enemies. There's a few times where Abraham goes down into Egypt, gets into some trouble. He, he lies about his wife and, and some things. Um, and when Abraham uh, is dealing with him about that, he doesn't disclose that in, information to his enemies. And I think that's pretty sweet that God doesn't try to shame Abraham. He just corrects him. So, uh, what can we learn about uh, Abraham's mistakes? Abraham's just a man. And because of the way God dealt with Abraham, it gives me hope and encouragement that God deals with me the same way. God doesn't rub my face whenever I make a mistake, whenever Jim does something stupid. Uh, yeah, I pay the consequence for it, but he doesn't rub my face in it. God doesn't abandon me. God is always merciful to Abraham. When Abraham doesn't fully obey God doesn't abandon the plan. God continues to work with and disciple Abraham. And God continues to work with me. And he continues to work with you. So even though you make mistakes, um, you're, you're good. God will, God will not abandon you. Um, I did list a few of Abraham's mistakes. You know, by, by faith, he did leave his house, but he took his family with him, and he stopped short in Haran. He did enter the promised land, but he left to Egypt whenever things got rough. So we do the same thing. Uh, when he returned to the promised land, he, he had took up uh, an Egyptian as, as 
plan B as, as another wife. And by faith, he did rescue Lot a few times, but he lied about his wife a few times too. So uh, even though he was a great man, he did make mistakes, and, and we do too. Um, I was going to talk through, I'm kind of running short on time, but w one of my favorite quotes when, when I think about my own mistakes and whenever I'm discipling people is a quote here by Bob Jones uh, Sr., that it's never right to do wrong to get the chance to do right. It's kind of a double speak, but um, whenever we're dealing with people, particularly when you're discipling somebody, it's never right to do wrong. It's, it's never right to bend the rules for them, you know, uh, in order to get a chance to do right sometime later in the future. You know, uh, an example might be it, it's never wrong to, it, it's, it's never right to start dating an unbeliever hoping that someday down the road you can win that unbeliever to the Lord. You should win them to the Lord first and then start dating them. So uh, it, it's been an old adage I've heard for many years that's kind of kept me out of trouble. So I thought I'd just share that. Bob Jones has a lot of good quotes. I know Steve's quoted him several times. All right, the seventh thing i got to cook on here. Quality time with God. During those uh, chapters 13 to 21, uh, God and, and Abraham fellowshiped quite a bit. Uh, God would come to him, and, and Abraham always had time for God. Now, one of my favorite little stories about this, about Abraham making time for God, is in Genesis 18. So flip over to Genesis 18. Um, go down around uh, verse 5. And basically what's happened is God has come to uh, Abraham's tent. Um, let me see here. Um, three minutes stood by. All right, well, let, let me pick it up in verse 4. Let's go to 18.4. It says, and these guys have shown up at his tent. God's there to, to meet with him. He says, get a little water, I pray you, and be fetched. Wash your feet. Rest yourselves under a tree. And then verse 5. I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort your hearts. And afterwards you shall pass... Uh, and then you know, hang out here and, 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 and eat. So what he does is Abraham says, says to God, stay here, I'm going to get you a morsel. That's in verse 5, morsel of bread. Look at verse 6. But then Abraham, he runs out into the tent, he gets Sarah, make, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, make cakes, put it on the hearth. Verse 7, Abraham runs out to the, to the livestock, to the herd, he gets a calf, young and tender and good dresses it up, he takes his butter, his milk. He's making a feast for God. This is not a morsel. See, what, what Abraham called a morsel is, is more like a feast. He's giving his best to God. And even that, he knows, isn't really good enough. And I think that's pretty neat. Now, contrast that with Lot. When Lot does the same thing over in verse uh, chapter 19, verse 2, and Lot would be a type of a believer that's not really committed, kind of out of fellowship with God. Lot's going to make a dinner for the, for the Lord. Let's see what he does. In verse 3, I'm at 19.3. And he pressed upon them, these, these guys, God's uh, entourage that have showed up. 
And they turned into unto him, and they entered into his house, and he made them a feast. And he baked unleavened bread. That was it. They had bread and water. So to the person out of fellowship, a feast for God is bread and water. But for a person in fellowship, even just a morsel is, is the best you got. And I think that's a very good lesson that we should give the best to God. If we're going to spend time with God, it should be proper. You know, don't you know? I don't want to hurt any feelings here, but I'm not. I'm saying like, don't just read a verse on your phone and say you've you spent time with God. You should sit down, like making an altar, clear out a spot, open your Bible, make it proper, give God a feast, give Him your best, your best time of the day. Uh, open up His Word and just drink it in. So, that's a very cool point there about the, the morsel versus the feast. Now, so that was our seven. Those are the seven lessons again. We went through each one. Abraham was a, a discipler. He was a follower of God, just as we are followers of Christ. And these are lessons that Abraham learned and, and did and implemented that we also should. Uh, and again, it's a lifelong process. You know, this... this chart here again. I mean, Abraham spent most of his time in 13 through 21 working out those seven um, qualities. And that's that's same for us. We are somewhere in these chapters. God is working on us, refining us. And I just encourage you guys to build those uh, principles into your life. Uh, be his disciple. Be obedient. Uh, if you love him, do his commandments. I'm going to flip back over to me. Uh, I'm looking at the clock, and it's 10.15. So I'm going to go ahead and shut her down. So let me kind of scroll through the comments here. Um, Let me see. I'm looking for any kind of prayer requests. I've seen a few, I think, scroll in. Uh, You guys are too kind on the comments. I I feel like I... uh, I'm always inadequate to teach the Bible to people because I feel like... Uh, it's just it's such a sacred holy book that you know who am I I'm the son of a sheet metal worker I've got no business you know teaching folks but I'm just kind of sharing things that God has shown me so I encourage you to uh, to be a disciple daily I know Annie McGuire uh, does a blog that she says uh, it's called like daily his disciple and I always thought that was so cool so every day when we wake up we should uh, try to implement these seven qualities in our life um, to be a disciple. So with that, I'm going to shut her down. I'm going to say a quick prayer. I don't see anything on the um, on the prayer request. All right, so let's, let's close in prayer. Uh, Lord, I do thank you so much for the opportunity to teach your word, and I thank you for all the, the folks that have uh, faithfully tuned in every week and just pray that uh, the things that you've shown me, I can, I can help show others, Lord. And uh, pray that we all continue to be disciples for you, Lord, that we would go through that purifying fire of these trials, that someday we could all be uh, the people of God you want us to be in Genesis 22. We, we give our all to you, and that's really the goal of discipleship, to be fully surrendered. And, uh, I just I think of Dottie offhand. I want to always pray for her and her pain and for that her surgery would come as soon as possible, and, and Rich and, and his sister Natalie. She's on the front lines of the, of the, the war there on the nursing home and I do thank you Lord I've seen Pam's daughters doing well I just thank you so much for that and ask that we all continue to pray for
Pam's daughter and all the people afflicted with this uh, this disease right now and uh, Kevin and Tom and all of our families the Taboras I love them I, I just miss all the people I, I feel lonely sitting here in the library by myself and I can't wait to see everybody again and uh, just thank you for this day and uh, just ask that we give it to you and that we would be your disciple daily Lord in Jesus name Amen Amen so you got 12 minutes roughly Brian will be speaking, so uh, flip on over to the HBF Cast Facebook page, and you'll see Brian uh, going live in a few minutes. And with that, I will see you guys next week. <laughs> Take it easy.